0: make sure they're different.
1: (laughs) Hello, Nancy.
0: Good morning, nice to be here.
1: It has been over a year since the last time I've had the honor to even be sitting with you. But in this past year, we have delighted ourselves in amazing conversation. You have been an amazing support, mentor, and friend to me, and I am happy to be in conversation with you here today. So let's just jump right into it. Nancy, you have been acclaimed by amazing organizations and clients like the Brie Ballet, Adler Planetarium, the Lyric Opera, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, and now Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Can you share with me your passion for working with such diverse clientele as a PR professional. I'll
0: be happy to, Jensen, and I thank you for the very generous introduction. I hope I live up to it. (laughs) I'm a publicist, as you mentioned, and while it sounds as if my clients are diverse, they are to a degree, but they are mainly in the arts, at least the ones we're talking about today. Yes. And my firm belief is whenever a publicist, or if you're a lawyer or anything else, you have to really know your client, feel your client, and feel as if you're part of the organization. Otherwise, you can't give what the organization needs, which is exposure, attention, and love from its attendees, its donors, its business, its clients and it's very very important i have found all of the clients that you've mentioned to have been very exciting to me and i think we've done i've done a good job with them some of them go back a few years before the digital age the digital age has come on very slowly many years ago digitalizing was only lists of people and addresses now it's actually developed today to virtually illuminating and highlighting the entire group that you're employed by. And it's very interesting because in the beginning, several of these, particularly the performing arts organizations, were very, very reluctant to do digital streaming of their performances. They were afraid they would lose people coming to attend the performance now is quite a different story because they have found, and it's very true, that streaming digitally gives a far bigger audience than they ever had before with people viewing whatever you're showing. And also it hits a much bigger geographical.
1: Right, right. Now, do you see that it was a challenge to make that transition or decision? for any of the organizations and institutions you worked
0: for? The word challenge is wrong because right now during the pandemic, we don't have a choice. And I think that almost everyone has adapted very well to it. Some better than others. But there's one thing I have found. Streaming has to be done very professionally because now since so many, practically all performing arts are doing some form of it. They expect it to look as if it's a production from Broadway. And this is very expensive. Consequently, there have been all kinds of different professionals hired to make sure that that streaming, that performance that you see from your office at home or from your living room or wherever is as entertaining and as enveloping as it can be.
1: Right. What would you say the biggest disconnect is versus watching an opera or a concert online versus in person.
0: I'd say it's like night is today, except in rare circumstances. When you're sitting in a big hall and seeing a major opera or seeing a hundred men playing with the symphony, Right. There's a certain feeling you have with those performers because you're close to them and then you have the fervor of the audience who really either adores it or if in Europe they say bon and and not like it at all and, and do boo but you get a feeling of what people like and don't like when you see it digitally it's it's a recital not really a performance and what what the Metropolitan Opera does with its stars where you only see two in a major building in Europe with a fabulous accompanist that's a different thing because it's very personal and it's very very professional mm. the gowns the, if they're in a church, the the beautiful windows behind the performance, the lighting. It's as it's frankly almost as if you're there. The dance actually, digitally, is interesting too, although you don't see the feet and the expressions of the dancers the way you do in a hall. Right. Even if you're in a gallery, you have glasses which are make it possible for you to see them up closer. So I think it's quite different. However, we're, li- we're in different times now and we have to adjust. And we're not sure just exactly what it's going to be tomorrow and the next day. And therefore, we have to do the best we can do at the time. And through the generations, actually, art has always come back in a very similar form, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and let's hope that it will come back in a, perhaps in a different form. But practically speaking, art, I believe, will come back one of these days in some form. After all, when you go to a museum, it's not only educational, but historic. When you hear music, it's soothing to the soul, it's comforting
1: when you read is so interesting to me because i can relate to it and even just in the way that we have met and connected has been through our art experiences or our fond like love or the opera or the symphony and i think that you sharing that perspective and making it available for me to receive is so important for our generation so that we can meet each other in the middle and engage it for the future generation. I think that's brilliant. I think you're brilliant.
0: (laughs) Do you want to want to discuss how we're going to entice future
1: generations? I would love to.
0: Well, number one, I think we all have to know that the number of art lovers is minimal as against our major population. Right. And in your peer group, Jensen, you have embraced a different type of music, a different type of art, which is the way the world is. If we don't change, we'll never really increase our knowledge or our interest. But I think for your generation, it is important in order to augment and increase the number of people who will want art back and who appreciate it to truly talk and view and go to any type of facility or any type of performance or any type of lecture that is available and try and bring friends with you. Then go to the youngsters. You have a youngster who's just two, go to the two- to eight-year-olds go to the teenagers. Well, the two- to eight-year-olds have to be educated in it. My question is, before this virus struck, most of the major art organizations were taking school children on tours, lecturing them, showing them what art was, giving them tickets to musical events and sending lecturers to the schools. This is no longer possible because of quarantine and because of spreading germs. How are these youngsters going to learn about that if they aren't educated with it? And that's quite a problem. Therefore, there has to be some way that we are going to educate these younger people, I'm not talking your generation, I mean the school age and a bit above in classical, and museum quality art? Sure. Or do we not wish to do that? And do we wish to have more rap music and street art fairs? This is something that is going to evolve. And I don't think we exactly, we definitely don't know about it today.
1: Right. So that's exactly why, that was one of the founding principles and why I founded 32 Pesses. Because for my generation, I grew up with hip hop, I grew up with pop music, and now as an, as an adult, I've learned to fall in love with orchestral music, classical music, and even just diverse ways of instrumentation. Um, t- the choice in which reflecting now being a mother, of uh, does it matter for my son's future? 100% absolutely. My previous experience before quarantine was walking down to the Art Institute and taking him through the gallery or having a play center, having a space for him to experience arts and culture and even music at the um, Grand Park Music Festival. I think all of those things are absolutely, I mean, you're dead on, it's absolutely important and vital. And I think that if we can create a shared community with both, that it could lead to next generation. So even if it's rapper hip hop and orchestral music together, maybe the Baroque, who knows? I think that we can definitely find a way to create a world where we can all share that human experience. Nancy, can you share with me some of your most memorable events? That's been, that has really been a
0: fun part of my job. There were probably about several memorable events, but two or three which I found the most exciting were when I chaired and ran the programs for the Harvard Club of Chicago as a volunteer. I did semi or monthly dialogue discussions at an outside facility with very important people normally only Harvard alums and then I did the annual award dinner which was our main fundraiser and the big event of the year and frankly my most memorable event was in 1994 I believe it was when we honored John H. Johnson of the Johnson Publishing Company which is known for its ebony magazine and we gave him an award and he responded with one of the most inspiring talks I think I've ever heard. Looking forward to the future and discussing how one must truly work hard and develop and anything is possible. Actually, that dinner was given uh, downtown where we could view the new band shell at Millennium Park going up. So for the Harvard speaker, to speak on an academic subject, I engaged Frank Gehry, who spoke about the pavilion, which we could look down upon. And it was quite a combination. The other memorable event is actually a culmination of many years. I was one of the original publicists for the Joffrey Ballet when it came here in the late 1900s. And it was very poor. The Joffrey was very poor at the time and not as it was known many, many years ago, but of late, it had fallen into hard times and financial problems. But after a few years when it celebrated its 50th anniversary and we had managed to illuminate it totally, it was terribly exciting to me to see the interests that Chicagoans developed in the ballet. And now, of course, it is planned to house itself at Lyric Opera as a separate entity, of course, but that makes it, that gives that one little section of Wacker Drive an arts complex. Maybe not quite like Lincoln Center in New York, but it certainly is a new beginning for the Joffrey, and I'm very pleased about it. I also did a very small program with Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, also as a volunteer, where Yo-Yo spoke of the importance of a college liberal arts education. As you know, he's a world-renowned cellist, but he has said without the the knowledge that he gained when he went to school learning about history, foreign languages, his music would have meant a lot less to him and perhaps might not have been as inspiring to his huge audiences that he commands.
1: Where is your favorite place to be when you're contemplating your thoughts?
0: Oh, that's very simple. Somehow or other through through the years, which is quite contrary to if you read about these famous novelists and authors who write in longhand, I can only think and work in front of a computer. And that's what I do. I sit in front of my computer. I usually have a pile of notes that I have developed when I'm working on something. Usually they're developed in long hand and a little notebook, and I put them together. And somehow when I turn on that computer, it just comes to me. Now, I, that's the way I work, Every, and I don't need complete quiet. I will may answer the telephone at the time. We cannot work as we worked yesterday. And, if, and we cannot handle the same client as we did yesterday. We all have to adapt to the world we're living in today tomorrow and what maybe we can guess will be the day after that. I was a volunteer for the Harvard Club for many, many years, up to the last few years actually. I did all their programs, I did their major events, but I was a volunteer. I was a professional paid by the Joffrey, but I must say that I learned a tremendous amount being a volunteer. And I think for any of you who are listening to Jensen and me today, if you can manage to do some volunteer work for an organization in which that has a field that you're interested in, be it the law where you're a law clerk, be it even giving out programs at musical events, you will learn more about the arts in that way and will perhaps lead you into many interesting facets in your future life, both as a professional or perhaps just as an attendee or part of that particular organization. It's very exciting. If you work in a hospital and see the wonderful work that they're doing rehabilitating people, if you go to a rehearsal of a choral group, I think each of you, if you have
1: the opportunity, should try and take advantage of it. I agree. I, um, we wouldn't have met if I didn't contribute in my volunteering ex- um, experiences, if you will. We had the honor of meeting at a, a party at Grant Park, and I was drawn to you by your wit. and profound knowledge that I later got to discover based on just us having conversations about our specific passion, which was music and arts and culture. And I definitely would second that, um, that although you're giving your time, you tremendously benefited.
0: I really became a publicist by being a volunteer, to be perfectly frank about it.
1: Right, so that led you to your path. I think that's a good thing to touch on too. I think that right now um, my generation and even post-grads are like considering the workforce, like what is the future of my purpose or passion? And volunteering could be just that in the beginning of navigating what you'd lie into. I mean look at the success that you've had just by your initial interactions of volunteering so I second that as well. Well I want to thank you for your time today uh, for joining me and sharing knowledge and um, I look forward to sitting at the opera with you. I
0: look forward to walking down into that beautiful opera house we have in Chicago where that very very beautiful Marvelous Symphony Center we have in Chicago, and let's all hope it won't be too long. But let's not wait outside the door and get cold.
1: I agree. (laughs) With that, how did we end up twinning today? We ended up matching. Because we're good
0: friends, we know what's appropriate.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's impeccable. Well, thank you again. You're the best. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Jensen. I want to thank the Albert here at Hotel EMC Squared in Chicago. They have donated their space for us today as our set. Um, It is one of my favorite places to come to, to have dinner and cocktail and just join in creative conversations with friends and colleagues. So if you have not been, please come and visit when you can.